morning and welcome everyone to Encounter Church. Whether you're here in the room or joining us at a different time um, online or through our app, we want to say thank you for joining us today. Uh, the last uh, several weeks have we have been starting a series called uh, Voices. Today we're going to wrap that up and uh, it's been a joy to be with you a good bit this summer as I've had the opportunity to, to teach on Sunday morning. Um, we've dealt with a few voices that are really stated in the negative the last couple of weeks. And week one was this truth that says, I can't. And this is a voice that we often hear. I don't know about you, but I, even that, that video kind of brings me anxiety. Anybody else? You're like, yes, that's what I feel like Monday through Saturday. Please stop the madness, you know? Just give me some silence. Sometimes I wonder where my wife is. Do you ever wonder where your spouse is in the house? Well, she escapes, right? I'm like, where's the party? Let's talk. Where are the boys? Let's go play. And I'm like, where's Rachel? The boys say, where's mommy? I'm like, I don't know. I think she might be buying groceries and she just didn't tell us, you know? And I find her in a room. I'm like, what are you doing? And she's like, nothing. I don't want to talk to any human being. I'm like, all right, see you later. And so when the boys say, where's mom? I'm like, probably buying groceries. Oh, she just bought groceries an hour ago. <laughs> no, she's never done that before. But, you know, and so we, we deal with so many voices. And this one, I can't, I can't, I can't. This is a voice we often don't hear from other people, though sometimes we do. So then we tell ourselves, I can't. And we explored this, this promise of God's grace that this truth that we read in the scripture that says that God's power is made perfect in your weakness. And is that when you can't, and that when you are weak, or you do have the inability to, it's the opportunity and the stage that God has set for him to show up in your life. And where you can one day say, I, I can. Last week we talked about being alone. That even though some of our personalities love to be alone like, and love to find those places where people think that you're grocery shopping and you're really not. You're sitting in a, in, a, in a quiet, dark room with no other voices and you just have some peace and quiet. But often this voice is stated in the negative in the sense that we are lonely and that we do find ourselves in places and positions in life where we don't want to be. And we do feel like no one else understands. And it's in that place that we hear the promise, and we even talked about it, we just sang about it, Emmanuel, this promise that God is with us, and that you do not have to be lonely, you do not have to be alone, that there's a promise that God's presence can be made known in our lives. Well, this week is a continuation of last week. In a way, I left some things hanging, and at the end of a message, sometimes I even ask myself, well, what about can we talk about that more? Well, this week is taking the next step. And in the positive, this is the voice that we're going to deal with this week that says, I can. I can do this. This is the positive voice, and often this voice comes not when you're feeling so positive or when you're feeling confident about what you're facing in life, but it comes often in the midst when you find yourself in a situation where you can't, where you're overcoming an obstacle, or you're facing a challenge, and you think, you know what, I, I have the skill for this. I have the ability or the capability, and you find yourself saying, I can, I'm going to do it. And sometimes the voice comes up, I can, when you look to your future and you consider what you're going to face. You're going to take that leap of faith to take that new job. Or you're going to take the step of faith to quit the one that you have, right? Or you're going to take that step of faith to step back into working when you haven't done it. Are you going to take that step of faith to have that tough conversation with a friend that you've wanted to have 
for a long time. It's that place of confidence that some of you wish you could find yourself more in. I wish I could have that conversation. I wish that I could go there. I wish that I could take that step. But you can't. Because you find yourself agreeing with the negative voices that I can't, I shouldn't, and I won't. Or even worse, I will never. And you can fill in the blank with whatever voices you're hearing. But I'd love for us to take a step today, Sunday afternoon, and to get to a place we have never been before, not because we are confident in ourself, but because we are confident of the promise of a God who's present. So today we're going to deal with three simple truths from the Bible. And these truths will forever change who you are. And they will forever change your life. They will forever change what steps you take. They will forever change your relationships. They will forever change even how you view God and how you live for Him. And some of you in this room could say, I'm not at the place where I have faith in God, or I'm not at the place where I can say that I am living for God. This will forever change that decision for you. And these three simple truths that we find in the Scripture, and the voice is different today. The voice is, I can. I can face it. I can take that step. Or I can have that conversation. I can't. I want you to, to be a place in your life, to be at a place in your life where you can say, I can. Here's the first truth. The first truth is that God is for me. Before we look at the scripture, it's an interesting place when we do believe that this truth that God is for me. First century Christianity was not so pretty. They were not making crosses out of gold and hanging them around their necks, right? The crucifixion had just happened some years before this letter was written to a city in Rome. And Rome was experiencing incredible economic growth. Rome was experiencing an, an, an incredible amount of momentum as the center of the known world. And there was a threat. And that threat in Rome in first century was called Christianity. In fact, the name Christianity was new. It was named after a man named Jesus Christ. And Christianity, some could even hear when they heard Christianity, they would say like Christ or many Christians or many Jesuses, right? These people that are acting like and doing things like Jesus. But the church was experiencing incredible growth. But it wasn't because they were loved. It wasn't because that they found favor in economics. Or it wasn't because of their lifestyle. It was because their sacrifice. It was because they loved people when they were unlovable. It was because in the face of death, they were willing to die for the cause of Jesus. And they had this incredible amount of opposition in first century. In the first century, uh, Nero, the leader in Rome at the time, was killing Christians. And the persecution to the church was greater than, or you could say even as great as it is in some parts of the world today. Doesn't always make the headlines in American news, but Christians are being killed daily around the world because of their faith today. It doesn't take long on a Google search to read the stories of pastors today that are in captivity because they are missionaries. They left safe parts of the world to go to unsafe parts of the world to proclaim that God loves people. And while saying God loves someone, the persecution is against them. The first century, was, this was the first persecuted church. 
that 30, between 30, 40, 50 years after Jesus died and rose again from the dead, people were continuing his cause, but in the midst of great opposition. Well, Paul writes to them a letter, and it's called Romans in the Bible. And in this book, he says several things that persecuted Christians need to hear. Things that you and I don't face. I've had some persecuted moments, but I have never had a persecuted life. And some of you, because of your faith, could say, yeah, I can relate to that. I can relate to a persecuted moment where someone stops talking to me, or like, oh, big deal, right? First world problems. They stop talking to you, right? Or they don't treat you the same. And some of that's very tough. I'm not making light of it. Some of you don't speak to family the same way because of your faith. And that's hard. I remember after I, in the middle of my music degree, I was attending the University of South Carolina to study music education and performance. I remember in the middle of my degree when I really started to follow Christ and I really felt this, this, this stirring in my heart to go into seminary, I remember being told, well, even people that didn't believe in God, I remember being told, you know, you're wasting the talent God gives you, God's given you. I just told you I was going to be a pastor. You're telling me I'm wasting? <laughs> you know, I'm wasting a talent in music that God gave me? And so, but that persecution lasted about one minute because I got off of the elevator, right? And then I can walk and, and leave and go the rest of my life. These people were being killed. And Paul finds an encouraging word. What would you say to the persecuted church in certain parts of the world? What would you say to them? You know what Paul says? Even in the midst of of death. God is for you. Look at this verse found in Romans chapter 8 verse 31. And he says this truth after writing about the persecution, after writing about the promise of eternal life. Basically, you can tell someone that's about to die, even if you die, you'll live. In the midst of a funeral that you attend, right? You think, man, What's the good news that you can say? The most nervous I've ever been in ministry was the very first funeral that I um, led. And that was my cousin. He was young and 21 years old. I'm like, man, what do I say? I've heard what pastors say at these things, but I mean, really, what do I say? And there's two things that happen at funerals. You look back and you look forward. You look back and commemorate the life and honor the life and lift up the life and celebrate the life. But in looking forward, how do you do that? You give encouragement to the people listening, how they can move forward. But you also, man, I've, I've attended funerals that missed out this part. Here's the best part. There is a promise in the Bible of eternal life. Literally, if you've ever heard of someone named Zoe, anybody know a Zoe out there? It's a Greek word that means life, everlasting I love that name, especially when someone names their kid and they don't even know what the, the name means. I'm like, ah, oh, life, eternal life. There's this promise of eternal life. And Paul's writing to them, even if you die. Here's my worst case scenario, writing a letter to someone that's in prison that may lose their life and may never get out. It's not going to be the worst of things if you die because even if you die, you live. This is the truth that was changing the world. This is the truth that would face death. I'd hate to think that this would happen this afternoon, but if someone said, if it cost you your life, would you still believe in Jesus? Would you still attend Encounter Church? I hope this doesn't happen to you, but I hope that you like Encounter Church enough. I'm just kidding. It's about Jesus, not Encounter Church. If it cost you your life, would it be worth it? Now, these early Christians were at a place when they said, you know what? I believe Jesus gave his life for me. I'm going to give my life for him. And they were dying. And Paul writes to them an encouragement in the midst of all this persecution and he says this, if God is for us, who could be against us? If 
you read verses 1 through 30, and I would encourage you to do that. If you read verses 1 through 30, it sets the stage for this rhetorical question that he writes to the church. If God is for us, who could be against us? The answer to that previously and in the next few verses is no one. You could read that question and go, I got a lot of people against me. The people trying to take my life. The people placing me under ridicule. The people who actually put me in prison, right? People today around the world could read this verse and say, I got someone against me. This is where I find myself. But Paul is saying, you have no one against you. Do you know why? Because they have no power over death. I think, but they could kill me, right? But there's this Christian truth, this Christian promise, why I can stand up confidently today in a funeral and say that there is eternal life because this is what Jesus proclaimed. And it's worth it. Even if I died, I would live forever. There's this faith and this truth and this promise. Folks, if you believe this, it changes everything. It changes where you would go in the world today. I'm not saying we're all at a place where we're like, well, sign me up. Put me in that city where that pastor was taken or where that missionary was taken, right? Place me there. Some of you, you don't have to go very far from your home address before you receive that type of persecution. It may look different. It may not be threatening your life, but we face persecution in the, in the midst of our faith. And Paul is saying, if God is for us, who could be against us? What's implied and inherent, even in this biblical truth, is the answer, no one. No one can defeat you. The worst that they could do is take your life, but even then, they lose. There's this truth that transcends beyond life and death. I'm not just talking about life and death. I'm talking about the way you live today. I'm talking about the way you live tomorrow. This truth, if you believe that God is for you, who could be against you? If you knew that God was on your side, how would that change you? If you knew that God was on your team, how would that change the way you played? I remember in middle school and even elementary, even, even now, you know, if you're like picking teams, you're like, hey, let's play. We got captains. There's 10 people. We're going to play a little five on five. Everybody scans the crowd and looks for the the first pick and the last pick, you know? And everybody knows who's going to be first pick, right? Someone says, I want Jerry on my team. Jerry's got some height. If Jerry's on my team, we're going to win. See, Jerry's smiling. Jerry likes to play basketball. What you doing this afternoon, by the way? I bet Jerry would like to play some basketball. I'd like to play with Jerry. I want Jerry on my team, and I feel confident, right? Now, in a silly sports illustration, if you knew God was for you, with you, beside you, how would that change everything? And Paul is writing, in the worst case scenario, you might lose your life because of Jesus. But it's worth it. Because God is for you. Who could be against you? The next few verses, he says nothing. Nothing. No persecution. No thing. We just sang about it a second ago. Nothing or no thing can separate you from the love of God that Christ Jesus has shown. Nothing. Nothing Nothing. God is for you. The second truth is that God is in me. That God is in me. Last week we talked briefly about this kind of if, if statement, right? There's a, a lot of things in Scripture that we see, well, if this, then that, right? That's just life, right? Cause and effect. 
There are promises that are also, that are, are probably not promises. Sometimes you'll, well, this is a promise. Well, some promises are actually principles, right? And there's a lot, there are a lot of ideas in the scripture that are very principle-driven. Um, and sometimes it doesn't mean if you do this, then that will always happen. And so I, I know that that can take a lot of different shapes and forms and conversations, but there's a principle in Scripture that's a principle, but then there are promises that are promises. They're always true. God is in me is a truth statement, and it is a promise statement, but it's not always true for everyone. Here's the kind of the bad news of this truth is that God is in me. It sounds good, doesn't it? Would you expect a pastor to say something like, oh, God can be inside of you? I remember growing up, and, and I grew up in church, and my parents started following the Lord, and we started going, you know, going to church. And I remember sitting in church and hearing about Jesus and hearing about uh, salvation, how to be saved, right? And I remember always hearing, you ask Jesus to come into your heart. And I remember hearing that going, what's that mean? Have you ever asked Jesus to come into your heart? I'm like, nope. I didn't ask nobody to come into my heart, right? Like, what does this mean? Even as a child who's a more optimistic and, and, and less concrete, we're more abstract. I remember even thinking, what, what does that mean for God to be inside of you? Even as I got older and began to experience, like, and, and, and said to myself, I want to have faith in God. Like, I want to be a Christian. And I had been taught that you choose. I'm not a Christian because my parents were. I'm a Christian because at some point I chose to place my faith in God. And even so, I, in this last song, um, we were just singing. I, I had this flashback of even being in high school. We just sang it, and I won't sing it, even though I want to sing it right now. I won't do that. I've tasted and seen. You remember that lyric we just, we just sang? I've tasted and seen. There's this psalm where King David says, I've tasted and I've seen that the Lord is good. I remember reading that when I was 17. I don't know why this nostalgic memory of exactly where I was when I was reading that. I've tasted and I've seen that the Lord is good. And I remember reading that going, I don't know what that means, but like I want to feel that. I want a taste of God. Because there are people today, I wouldn't advise you asking in that way, have you ever tasted God? Somebody like, get out of my face, man. I'm about to persecute you, Right? That's a weird question, but it's this idea. Have you ever experienced God? I remember even sitting in church, watching a pastor who was very emotional cry. I, I call him today the crying pastor. Like every message, he just cried, right? And I know pastors like that today that are emotional. And, and oh, hopefully we're all emotional, right? But I know pastors say they get very emotional. I remember looking at him going, I, he has this incredible faith in God. I remember looking at him as my pastor as a kid, as a teenager, right? When I want to experience that. Like, he's all emotional about God, and I've never been emotional about God. Some of you could say that today. I, I'd, I'd like to taste and see that the Lord is good. Here's the truth today. God is not in every person because not every person believes. And in order to taste, you have to be hungry. And the sad truth today is that not everyone is hungry. Some of you have tasted and seen that the Lord is good, meaning some of you have experienced God in your past or even in your present in a very profound way where you could, even if you struggle to describe it, you could say, I've tasted and seen God and I've experienced Him. I've believed in Him. In fact, some, some in here have even described to me how they've experienced God for the very first time in this room. 
about a year later, after I read and heard that truth, I was in a kind of a worship kind of environment, a lot of teenagers, 18 years old, and I remember the song. I can remember it very well. And I remember this feeling inside of me that I felt the presence of God for the very first time. Like I felt the presence of God for the very first time. And I felt for the very first time at 18 years old that God was in me. Now it's a profound spiritual truth that's strange to a lot of people. To those that have faith and have been a Christian for a long time, so many of you won't do this by show of hands, could just very quickly say, yeah, it's been me. I've experienced God. I've felt God. I know He's real. I've experienced Him. Some of you are like, I want to. And maybe the third option could be, maybe, I'm here, but I don't know. Folks, I want you to know today that God can be in you. And the truth that we read about in the Scripture can be the truth inside of you. And what the Bible teaches and proclaims, I tell you today that if anyone, anywhere, can have faith in Jesus Christ, then the promise of His Spirit will be with you and will be inside of you. And the way that we do that? The way that we do that is told throughout the Bible. And the Bible says that because of our sin, because of our lives, and all of us are sinners, all of us have made decisions, all of us have thoughts that separate us from a holy God. And the Bible proclaims and teaches today that if anyone would confess that they're a sinner and ask Christ to forgive them and then choose to follow Christ with their life, then they may be saved. It's in that moment, it's in that step that someone takes where this truth will be made known to them that God is in them. There are multiple journeys that this takes. Some of you can tell your story and say, there was a moment that I remember. There was a moment that I remember like just telling God and confessing my sin to God and saying, I want to follow Jesus with my life. I'm taking that step of faith. Some of you, it's like a moment that you can distinctly remember. Others of you are on a journey where you're taking, maybe you're taking baby steps, and I want you to know that's good. That's okay. Some of you that have faith in Christ and would even consider yourself a Christian, you could say, I don't remember a moment. I just remember a lot of steps along the way, and I'm at that place in my life where I believe and I've experienced Christ. And I want to say that's okay. There are multiple different journeys, right, in different, different places, different spaces, different stories, and different backgrounds. Some of you today have an opportunity to take that step, to take, to take a step towards faith in Christ in order to experience. Some of you even say, I, I do believe that God is for us, that God is for people. And I do believe that God can be in me, but I want to take that step of faith. It's then and only then can we say the last statement in the positive that says, I can. I can. And the place of I can for a Christian is unique. The place of I can goes back to the, even the first uh, century persecution to current day persecution. I can even face death because of Christ. Some of the most peaceful people I have ever met and ever had conversation with are literally on their deathbed. While that's a challenge of being a pastor, I got to tell you something, it's a blessing too. Now, if that's ever a strange blessing, here it is. It's a blessing to be able to share 
the end of someone's life with them. A few times I've walked into a room and just been so overwhelmed. I'm like, Lord, please let the tears stay around the eyes because they're the ones dying, not me. But to see an incredible amount of peace, this is, this is the I can. I can face death because of the promise that Christ is with me. I can be okay with cancer because even if it takes me, I will live forever. I can face this challenge. Why? Because I believe that God will never leave my side. I can face this marriage. Even a couple of weeks ago, having a conversation with an old friend I haven't talked to in a long time, that his marriage is in, is in trouble. And he says, I can face this because I really do believe that God is able. And some of you, I can have that conversation tomorrow because even if it doesn't go well, I know that God is in me and that God is for me. Sometimes you may think of something that's maybe a little bit less heavy. But you can I can fill in the blank. And there's this promise and this truth that we read in Philippians 4, verse 13, that says, I can do all things. All things? All. Through Christ who gives me strength. Now, if one of the first two, that God is for me and that God is in me, breaks down in you, meaning that there's not a point of faith in you where you believe that you can, well, guess what? You may never get to experience the truth and the promise that God can be in you and that you can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. As I mentioned last week, I have the privilege to connect with a lot of different people that are facing a lot of different things. And often their stories are very difficult. And in at least at a human glance, it looks like things are insurmountable, right? Looks like relationships are irreparable. It looks as if they've come to the end of their rope and they have no hope. Sometimes in the back of my mind, especially when the person does not have faith, I'm like, yeah, you know what? There's a lot of things that you need. There are practical steps you can take. There are truths to be learned and principles to be had, right? And there are new habits that you need to form. There's a lot of things like that. But sometimes in my heart, you know what I just think? I wish that you had the hope of Jesus. And I often will just share that. To say, you know what you need? The hope that God is for you. Because what you've lost is not something very easy to get back. You need the hope that God is not distant and so many people today, right here in Norfolk County, and you name the town that you live in, you name the, if you live in a different county, thank you for driving to Encounter Church, right? But name the county you live in, the town you live in, the neighbors. They don't, many people today don't have hope. And they won't even have a thought that God loves them, much less the truth that God is for them, much less the, the, even the, the next step to that, that God can be in them if they would have faith in Christ. And then ultimately for you, for me to be able to, to say, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Next week um, is a picture of a challenge and illustration that uh, even in my life has been an encouragement to me. Many of us are facing things in our lives that we have tried and we have failed. And many of us face things in life that we know are just challenging. Now I want to tell you, becoming a Christian does not make a promise that you will never have hardship. 
Becoming a Christian does not mean that, that there will be no one that will persecute you. It does not mean that Jesus will step in and crowd out all the difficult people. In fact, it very much might change, right? You notice the difficult people in a different way, right? That life continues to be a struggle. And that this isn't like a one-time fix-all, that if you pray and if you follow Jesus with your life, if you have faith in God, then everything will be made easy. And sometimes we can literally say, I can't do this, right? The voice of this in my head, I thought about this this morning, that in six days from now, I'm going to run a marathon. So next Saturday morning, and I've been trying, I've tried a couple of times to qualify for the Boston Marathon. You know, there's a few different ways to, to run the Boston Marathon. You qualify, a lot of folks can raise money uh, for it, you can get in through sponsorships, etc. And I've tried a couple of times to hit a qualifying pace. Now the qualifying pace, for those of you that may run, it's quite ridiculous. In fact, 18 to 34 year old qualifying, if you're 18 years old, or you're 34 years old, your qualifying pace is the same. Poor 34-year-olds have to run like 18-year-olds. Are you kidding me? But there's so many people that try to get into the race as a qualifier. And then the 35 to 39-year-olds, and then the 40 to 45-year-olds. So if you're like 34, or if you're like 35, you're like, i got to wait four more years, you know, to where I can try to qualify at a different pace. Well, the qualifying pace for my age category is a 7-minute, 14-second mile. Now, yeah, some of you are breathing harder just hearing that number. I just heard size, for those of you that couldn't hear that. Like, it's a 7-minute, 14 pace. And so I've tried a couple of times. I hold that pace for about 20 miles, and then life happens, right? At the beginning of the race, you know what I'm telling myself? I can do this. I train. I can run fast. And then mile 20 happens. I can't. Life sucks. Why am I doing this, right? I have the mile 20 moment. Some of you have, have run long races. You can uh, um, relate in so many ways, the why moment. And, and so in six days from now, I'm going to be saying I can, right? Now, I can say, Lord, help me. Now, I've prayed before, but Jesus didn't put his shoes on me, right? This is no promise. I may never, ever qualify, right, for the Boston Marathon. And some of you are like, hey, try to get into sponsorship. I'm going to be like, no. I'm, one day, I'm going to do it, right? One day, just one day. But even if I don't, my faith in God goes beyond my circumstance, and sometimes you can over-spiritualize that or maybe even under-spiritualize. Like, I, I have prayed before marathons, Lord, give me strength. And I don't need too much strength on mile one, especially because it's going downhill a lot and gravity's on my side as well as Jesus, right? But on mile 20, I'm running back uphill. I, I, need, I need some help here. And there are moments of our life when we say, I can. And there are other moments when we say, I can't. Literally, I can't. There's nothing in me that can do this. I'm looking at my feet saying, move, will you? Move a little faster. And they're like, stop, please. And they often win, right? They win in that moment. But there are moments where we say, I can. And the moments where, where we say, I can't, is when God's power shows up in our life. And let me tell you, all of us are in places in our life when we say, I can't, I can't, I can't. But the promise of God's presence will change everything. A year ago, when I ran the same race, I remember it starts at dark. Um, you know, 4.30, you're on a mountain. It's 38 degrees, and you know it's going to be 80 degrees by the time you get down to the bottom of it. I remember this truth that God is with me. It doesn't matter what happens, right? And God is with me. And that's the moment that I need. No other different circumstance, right? 
Sometimes you lose the battle. You may lose the job. You may lose the relationship. You may never reach the goal. But you know what you can't lose? No, no thing. And Paul says, nothing can separate you from the love of God. That is the promise. Not the relationship. Not the job. Not even your own personal happiness. But the truth that God is here. I want more than anything else today for you to hear that God is here. He is for you. He can be in you if you place your faith in Christ. Man, those last two songs, I love the next song we're going to sing, but even those last two songs were incredible. I'm like, yes, only because I knew the message. None of you knew the message. I'm like, yes, that's it. Let's sing that again. Man, you don't have to do the last song. I like the next song too. But like that last song was it, like this truth that God is here. But the sad thing when I sing that song, not everyone sees it. Not everyone knows it. Not everyone's tasting and seeing that the Lord is here. But I want you to know, I must have said something that said Siri. The on Cambridge Street in Worcester. Is that the one you're looking for? No. That's all I found. Stop talking, please. She thought I was calling a limousine in Worcester. Now, a limousine shows up in 20 minutes. You can be like, I ain't never given another dollar to that church. Darn pastor's calling a limousine. Chris, our secret's out. <laughs> Someone says, I'm fine. I'll give you a dollar. I want a ride. All right, let me see if I, Siri can stop talking to me. All right, sorry about that. I've never had a Siri moment during a message. In fact, I've always been like, every time someone's phone rings in a public place, I'm like, don't be that guy. And I look at my phone, and I always make sure I'm par anybody paranoid of their phone going off and like an important conversation, right? Sorry about that. This truth that God is with us, Siri's with us too, she's always listening, <laughs> right? <laughs> Even, I, I'm, I'm wondering if she called me a limousine, um, but that would be awesome. No, I've never done that before. So, how do you transition from Siri calling you a, a limousine? It was getting serious, Siri. I was trying to be spiritually serious, and I don't even remember. Um, let's wrap this up with these three truths. We'll put back on the screen today. These three truths will change everything. And I don't know where you are in the journey, but if you believe that God is for you, and you believe that God is in you, and you take that step of faith for God to be in you, all it takes is a prayer. All it takes is a faith statement, a faith step for you then you can say, therefore I can. I can face life. I can face death. I can face the relationship. I can face anything because God is for me and God is in me. Some of you today need to just simply remind yourself of that truth and live. Some of you today, it's time to take a step. And that step may be even during this next prayer where you say, God, I want you to be in me. I want to live my life for you. Some of you want to take a step today and stop by starting point and say, hey, that's me. I'm taking this step today. Can I talk to Jason? Can I talk to Chris? Can I talk to someone about that journey? Some of you today can take a step to, to take steps of faith in your walk and sign up for the 112. The 112 is an introductory class to, um, to faith. Right And listen, let me tell you this. It's not an introductory meaning for new Christians. It's, it's, it's a journey about how to follow Christ and how to be a follower of him. So if you've been a Christian for 30 years or would you say for three weeks, 
Take a step today to say, you know what, I want to grow. I want to take steps in, in my walk. Others of you may take a step today and sign up for a life group. The life group is in the app. You hit connection card. You can sign up for a life group this fall. Some of our groups meet here. Some meet in home. Some of you say, I want to be in Christian community because I know that will help, right? Some of you can, can take a step of faith to just talk to someone to say, I want to take a step of faith towards Christ. Wherever you are, no matter where you are in the journey, you can say, I can, because of the truth that God is for you and that God is in you. Let's pray.